Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Now, without further ado, we're going to hear a dynamic word from a dynamic man who's known of really all over the world. He's our senior prophet in our in our movement. He's an elder and board member here. Put your hands together and welcome Pastor Jim LaFoon to the stage as he comes to deliver the word of life. Come on, let's give it up for him. You look so handsome. Can we give God a great hand today? Worthy of all our praise. Just worthy. Say, you're worthy, Lord. Can we give all these nations a great hand also? Just so good to be here in our We Are Family series. You're probably wondering, now, Pastor Jim, some people are wearing garb from their ethnicity of origin. You know, Pastor Jim, that may look African. Would you have any Nigerians here? How many of you know this is Nigerian? So you're thinking now, we love Pastor Jim. He don't quite look Yorba. He not from the north. He probably not Hausa. He don't really look Igbo either or Igbo and probably not Fulani-like. What's the deal here? In reality, I'm Scotch, Irish, English, French, Welsh, Finnish, and if my grandfather, who always stretched the truth is to be believed, I'm also Potawatomi, a famous Native American tribe you've never heard of. Why would I wear this? Well, I have tons of relatives in Nigeria. And that, that's what this message, quite honestly, is all about. We are family. Building spiritual family in a broken culture. Um... Brother Pierre, in the end, it was just tremendous, these nations. Spoke out of Revelation 5, 9, and 10, and quite honestly, many of the nations you saw I've been to for extended periods of time. Lived abroad, served abroad, ministered abroad, preached in scores of nations, and Jerry quoted this, and they sang a new song. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people. That for God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. You know, that's not really the great revelation. The power of the gospel is not just that God's drawn a whole bunch of different people. It says, but you made them into something. You not only drew them, you developed them into something, and you made them into their own nation, their own kingdom. And they're all praise. They'll establish your reign on the earth. I mean, in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, Peter, a Jewish man writing to the church, many of which were Gentiles, Roman citizens, says, you are the church, a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. You're your own ethnicity. You're saying, Pastor Jim, that's just crazy. You know what, what's God saying? I'm not just into multi-ethnicity. I'm into creating a whole new people out of every ethnicity who'll change all of human history. This is biblical reality. He goes on to say this, 
for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you weren't a people, that had to offend Roman citizens. Once your citizenship was nothing, but now you're God's people. You see, God has this astonishing plan. I preach in scores of nations. I have brothers and sisters around the world. But it's not just that we are a church that comes from many nations, 60-something, I love it, but it were a fact that we are being made not just into a multi-ethnic church, into a people who belong to God. Now, why would I wear this shirt? I've been to Nigeria many times. I was just there in April for a number of days. I was in Lagos, Abuja, Port Harcourt. It's because I have family there. Not technically. You see, when God touches you, he doesn't just make you part of this whole new nation, this whole new kingdom, the church. He places you in a family within it. It was my first trip to Africa. It was decades ago. I love Africa. I've been there countless times. I've never been as a tourist. I've been there weeks and weeks, months, I guess, over the years. It's my first trip to Africa. I happened to be in Johannesburg. I love South Africa. And I was there very, very sick in a hotel. And we were in a really critical meeting with a huge group of churches out of Africa. And as I was there, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and in a vision. He said, I know why you're here, but I'm going to tell you. I brought you here because you have a brother you've never met. And one day you'll meet him and you'll walk with him. And in a vision, I saw an African man wearing glasses, little mustache. God said, that's your brother who you've not met. Ten years later, I was speaking at a conference in Africa. I looked, there was his, he and his wife on the front row, spitting image. He hadn't quite gained the weight I had over ten years, that's another story. His name was Sam Iadogbon, wife Grace, one of the great prophetic voices in Nigeria. And when I met him, I looked and he looked at me, I felt a divine joining. Been there many times, I'll never forget some years ago, standing with him in Manila at a conference. God said, they're coming to murder Sam. He was 49. He wrote, he was, he wrote for years in the, the great national newspaper, a champion against corruption. God said, go to his 50th birthday to save his life. I jumped on a plane, flew in for his 50th birthday. He was so happy to have me there until he heard while I was there. I said, man, I said, Sam, they're coming to kill you. And God sent me here to save you. I want you to vary all your roots to the church. We're going to build a prayer team over you. I want to make sure you're guarded. Months later, an assassination team with machine guns broke into his house to murder him in bed. He lives today because God believes in family. Now, beloved, I want to just talk to you about that for a moment. One of the greatest promises in all of Scripture is found in Psalms 68, 6. God sets the lonely in families. No matter what your biological family may be like, no matter how broken it may be. And we live in a culture where families just been shattered. 
Maybe your parents were divorced and like many children of a divorced family, you wonder if it was your, fa- your fault. Or you wonder like, why wasn't I worth staying together for? Maybe you don't even know your biological family and you were fostered and taken out of the foster system. Maybe you were adopted and you've wondered, man, I love my adopted family, but like, who were they that just gave me up, why? Maybe your file never opened. But God says, my kingdom, it's not only a new kingdom, it's not only a new people, it is a family filled with families and I'll put you in one. How does God take us and place us in spiritual family? You know, I appreciate prosperity. Many people just want prosperity Christianity. I like it. Do you want to be rich? Of course I do. Rich enough to give everything God wants me to give away and to do his will. That's how rich I want to be. But what really burns in my heart, beloved, is not some prosperity movement where we just think it's the will of God for us to get rich for our own blessing. I want to be part of a posterity movement. I want to be part of something where God creates family that transcends pain, ethnicity, political philosophy, ideology, and out of that, sons and daughters flow out to the world. Peter looked at him and Peter's beginning to realize with Jesus in Mark 10, 28 through 30, I'm giving up a lot. Right now we're popular, but now we're being hunted. He said, Jesus, I've left everything and followed you. That was relatively true. And Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there's no one who has left his house, his brother's, his sister, his mother, his father, his children or lands for my sake and for the gospel. And they'll not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children. There'll be persecution, but eternal life. She says, if you lose your family, I have another one for you. Have you ever looked into the eye of someone that's lost their family for the gospel? I have sat on the Syrian border, been into refugee camps, around refugee camps where multiple terrorist bombers have come from. I've been all over the world. You ever sit with a young man who turned to Christ? Of course, when you leave a family in that part of the world, your dad won't kill you, your uncle will. His uncle had beat him beyond human resemblance, shattered his face. Lost mom, dad, family, sent him to the Philippines to have his face rebuilt. Have you ever seen someone who's lost their family for the gospel? Who every uncle, every aunt, every sibling and parent were done with you. You ever seen it? I have. Yet this amazing promise is not just inclusive to a group that's lost it for the gospel. We look at Timothy, who was the son to Paul. We know his mother was a Christian. His grandmother was a Christian. Father, probably not a believer, may have died. He became Paul's son. He said, I have no one like Timothy. He's my son. May I tell you, beloved, no matter what type of family you come out of, maybe you were passed around and raised by relatives. Jesus says, I put the lonely in family.
I supernaturally come down and do something. I think of the Apostle Paul. And when you begin to realize Apostle Paul never talks about his family one time. In fact, it's probably because he lost every one of them to become a Christian. I can't prove that. But he went from being the leading light of Judaism, the persecutor of the church, to the greatest apostle. He he walked away to reach Gentiles who had done nothing but persecute his own ethnicity. He's the one that wrote, I would rather go to hell and be damned by God than have my ethnicity be lost and he won't even let me reach him. It's Paul that said in 1 Thessalonians 2.17, but brothers and sisters, when I was orphaned, strong word, when I was orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, what is Paul saying? When I couldn't go to church in Thessalonica, when I had to miss those services, I felt like an orphan. That's a strong word. You know why? It was his family. It's the only family he had left. Something created and birthed by God. There is a life-changing power. And I was blessed with a tremendous biological family. My mom, sister, niece, never here today. Mom's 91. I was blessed. No divorce, love, blessed, incredible parents. But I am an exception. Debbie was blessed. There's some of us in this room. James was blessed to have a mother that stood in the middle of hell and raised him. I know some of you. But that's not some of your stories. The lost of you, family shattered, broken. How about Jesus? Think it's easy? Jesus preaching, getting famous, but now he's being hunted. And when his family heard it, that's his mama who the angel came to who had him as a virgin. They went to seize him saying he's out of his mind. His mom and his brothers were standing out in front of the church. You've gone crazy. You're not thinking right, son. You're coming home. This is his mother. He's the oldest son. Unless you've lived or been born in the Middle East or other places, unlike the Western world where family's been fragmented, it's hard to understand what that means. And his mother and brothers came standing outside. They sent him and called him. He's preaching. His mama says, tell him to come. This is his mother, the virgin chosen by God to bear him, the one human who should have understood. And listen, you think, oh, he's God. Yeah, he's also human. He's God yet human. Man, he loved his mother. Why do you think he didn't start till 30? Probably taking care of her and raising those siblings when his dad died. God cares about family. They go, Jesus, mother's out there. She said, she needs you right now. He felt that draw of family, and here was his answer. And he answered, tell my mama this. Ultimately, who is my mom, and who are my siblings? Ultimately, what defines me? And looking at those who sat around him, he said, there's mama, there's my brothers. He pointed at Peter, James, John, Mary, Mary of Magdalene, Mary, Martha, Joanna, 
He's put his spiritual family, he says, man, I love my mama, I honor my mama, but in the end, what defines me is those I do the will of God with. That doesn't mean we don't honor our family, love our family, pray for our family, but in the end, God said, there is another family if you've been broken. And we know in the end, is he and his mom are reconciled and serve God together. As Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7, 5 to 8, when I came into Macedonia, my body had no rest. I was afflicted at every turn, fighting within, fear without. You go, that's tough. But God who comforts me, how did he comfort him? Comforted me, because Titus came. When I saw my son in the Lord, it was okay. When I just got to the house of God, it was okay. When I got around my spiritual family, I just felt better. I walked in today, I saw James. I felt better when I saw him. How did that happen? He's tremendous athlete from Detroit. I'm a non-athlete from California. But the only thing we have in common is we could both be plus-size models. But other than that, there are just a lot of differences. We're both extremely handsome, that's true. But how did that happen? Well, how could I be knit with James across ethnicity, across culture? How did it happen? Never forget the first time I saw him. He wasn't even in Bethel. We were at a conference, I saw him. I was sitting with the bishop. I said, Rice, my dear friends, that man is to be with us. I never said a word to him. My spirit felt something. I couldn't put it in words. I couldn't explain it. Then next thing I know, he's in a parking lot serving every Sunday. And now here he and Debbie are as pastors. What is that? That is the joining of the power of spiritual family. It's all over scripture. Ephesians 2, 19 and 20 says, we're no longer strangers and aliens. Now we're fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's family. Galatians 6.10 says, be kind to everyone, but especially your spiritual family. Over and over in scripture, read it for yourself. Jesus says, I'm not ashamed of my brothers and sisters. Paul said, you better treat every young woman, if you're a young man, like your own sister. And every older man in that church, you better treat like your dad. Why? It's the household of God. If this is true, and it is, how do we find it? Like, why aren't I a Presbyterian? There's great Presbyterian Christians. Why am I not a Baptist? I grew up a Baptist. Unfortunately, it wasn't an African-American Baptist. It was a quiet white Baptist. The only time we got to raise our hands is when we were going to fire the pastor or vote on the building color. But I, but I got saved in the Baptist church. My parents were crying that day. Thank God he's saved. We won't have a prison ministry now, okay? Man, why, why did I stay a Baptist? Why? Well, I mean, there are a lot of great Assembly of God people, Foursquare people. There's just great families of God on the earth. Why? Like, why did this family, because God says, I arrange the members in the body as I choose. That means God knows where you belong. You go, well, well that's really great, Pastor Jim. But, like, how do you know? How, do you, how does God help you find your family? I'll never forget. 28, 29 years ago, every nation was just starting. It was called Morningstar then. 
They invited me in to speak to the conference. And I felt something I could not deny. I, did, I mean, one of my friends, Ron Lewis, dear friend of James, we've been friends 40 years, the only person I knew there. I met the bishop some years ago. But I felt something, and I'll define it for you later. I felt like that this is my people. Kathy said, these are our people. How do you discern that? How do you know that? Like, why isn't every family right for you? Well, it's really simple, honestly. According to Ephesians chapter two, you have a purpose. You're here for a reason. We find that in Galatians 2, seven through nine, where Paul and Peter were talking and Paul said, you're called to Jews, I'm called to Gentiles. We each have a different purpose, let's just labor together. God himself knows the family you belong in because he will place you in the family that will prepare you for your purpose. Knows where you belong. Knows where you need to be. You know, you just get knit with people supernaturally. The first time I met Dave Ward, I felt something in the spirit. You can't make that happen. Even though he's a Dodger fan and I despise the Dodgers, somehow the power of God was great enough to knit us together. And that's a big, that's a big, big barrier right now the way my Yankees are playing. Another story, Lord. Sorry, brother. Anyway, so much for that now. Listen, how's it happen? How's God do it? Let me talk to you about the difference in being joined by the Holy Spirit and joining something. How many of you ever been, been part of Sam's Club? Raise your hand. My God, I love Sam's Club. I felt an inner witness in my belly. I love their free samples. I'd walk around. I love their steaks. I just felt like, my God, I've joined Sam's Club. I am faithful to Sam's Club till Costco came. <laughs> and when Costco came, I felt the Spirit of God begin to stir me in a different way. I love those lamb chops. I go, whoo, Jesus. I've been loyal to Sam's for, it's about time for me to switch fellowship. In fact, maybe I'll go to one one week, one the next week. What has the best parking? What serves me the most? What's easiest? Best prices? That's the way the average person chooses churches. But that's not the way God chooses churches at all. In the Bible, you don't join something. God joins you to it. What's that like? How's that work? The church's not Sam's Club, I'm sorry. Some of you say, I joined a gym. I don't know much about that, but I guess that's a similar process. Okay, now. So, like, what do we mean? How does God join us? In Ephesians 2, 20, 22, we find that used in an architectural sense where God says, you're building on the foundation of the apostle and prophets. Jesus is the chief cornerstone and the whole structure's joined together. That means it's fit together with a mortar of God's purpose and love. Ephesians 4, 16 is used biologically. It says from the whole body joined and held together by every joint. Now we know marriage is a divine joining. It's not at that level. I've been married to Kathy 43 years ago. We took a vow to death do his part. Yes, there's one or two things in the Bible that could separate that vow, but we married with no way out in our own mind. God joined us. Being joined to a church is a bit different than that. It's not the same level. I will say this, if God joined you to a church, only he can unjoin you. Yeah. 
What if I'm offended? It's not what if, it's when you're offended. If I left every nation the first time someone offended me, I'd have been gone 25 years ago. You will be. And it's, it's every time you reconcile, your joining becomes stronger. It's one of the things that happens. Now, how does God join us? I think, let me give you a story from scripture. In 1 Samuel 17, 57 through 18, 1. This is a unique picture of how God, talk about one of the most unlikely friendships in history, this is one of them. But it shows you how God joins you to spiritual family. As soon as David returned from killing the Philistine, this is a big deal, you realize. He's just killed the greatest warrior on the planet. He's a teenage shepherd who was so young they wouldn't even take him to battle. He is now the hero of the country. He comes before the king holding the bloody head of a giant. They're screaming his praises, singing his praises. And the king's son is there, the heir to the throne, himself considered the greatest nation, warrior in the nation. If anyone should have been insecure, it was him. If anyone should have just said, oh, he's gonna take my job. He's gonna take my throne. I'll make sure what happened. Adver took him and brought him before Saul with David still holding the bloody head. Whose son are you, young man, Saul asked him. David said, I'm the son of your servant Jesse of Bethlehem. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David and loved him as himself. That means David probably didn't even feel it in the moment. David was still in the rush of adrenaline that comes in sports or combat or some daring feat. I mean, he was just on an adrenaline rush. And the one man that had most to lose that very day became one in spirit because he loved him like himself. I think, okay, how's that happen? It was no false thought. The kid was gonna, David took his throne. It was gonna happen. And out of this, out of this strange joining came a friendship that civil war could not end. That when his own dad tried to kill David, he risked his life. How's that happen? He was a prince, at least 10 years to 12 years older. Highly educated. David was a shepherd considered weird by his own family. How did it happen? You can't make it happen. Like when I walked in that every nation room, I felt adjoining. When I, when I, when I left my dad's church, Fundamental Baptist, even though they'd been baptized in the spirit, ended up in the military, it was in the 82nd Airborne Division. A lieutenant said, do you speak in tongues? I said, yes. He said, come to my church. I, they were raising their hands, dancing, beating tambourines, praying in tongues. I go, this is all wrong, but I love it. My head said no, my heart said yes. It happened to many of you at Bethel. There's something you couldn't put your finger on. Maybe you'd never done it before, but you felt it. And that day, Jonathan loved him. It's interesting. This was more than instant unlikely admiration though it was there. 
when you look at this instantaneous bonding, it's discerning and developing divine joining. Although it was divinely inspired, the word one in spirit means linked, tied, or chained together, and it connotes a process of time. John being one in spirit. He felt that initial link. You felt that initial link when you walked into Bethel. You felt that initial link when you felt the door. But the only way to be joined is to build more links. I've been countless hours with James since the day I saw him. And every time we, ha we have to fight something together, deal with something together, cross something together. The links in that chain have gone from a momentary feeling to years of relationship. Why did he go to the Middle East and see my son Peter? Because we're brothers. Why do I care about young James? Because he's my nephew spiritually. Only God can do that. It crosses everything. And that is why, beloved, two things will determine your joining. It's my last two points. One is your brotherly love for the family, and the two is the time you're willing to commit. I was praying over every nation at one point, and God gave me the strangest thing. He said, Jim, you'll never build with an unsandaled man. I go, an unsandaled man, what does that mean? I looked it up, and here's what it means. That means if James and I were brothers, like blood brothers in Israel, and James died, I would be required to marry Debbie and every child we had would have James's name so his name would not die out. And if I would just selfish feel like, I don't want to build my own name, that ain't my family, I could care less, Debbie could spit in my face, take my sandal off, and for the rest of my life, I'd be dishonored as the unsandaled man who would only build that which had his name on it. And that principle runs contrary to brotherly love because the fact of it is selfishness destroys spiritual family. That ain't my family. I'm just a member there. I'm not yet, oh, that's not how God sees it. And secondly, it's your time. There's a reason God told the Israelites, you best come together, the whole nation, at three times a year. Why? It takes face-to-face -face time to develop common focus, common faith, and family. You may feel something on Zoom, you, you will not bond on Zoom. If you've developed family, <clears throat> you may maintain it for a while. You say, well, pastor, there's been COVID, there's been all those things, yeah? How about Hebrews, where they were losing their goods, going to prison, hiding out, and Paul finally said, he said, listen, I know you're in a crisis, but some of you have allowed this crisis to give you the habit of not meeting together anymore. You're so afraid of what might happen if you meet together. You're so afraid that if you go to church, what might happen? I'm telling you now, don't. As the day draws near and the time draws darker, you only truly are encouraged as you meet face to face. If it's medical, I understand, but I'm telling you, you may find family on Zoom and feel it, but you'll never fit into it. It takes something different. There are exceptions. You're overseas. You can't come. I get it. But that is the exception, not the rule. Let me summarize this. We are family. That's not a mantra to Kathy and I. That's not a slick slogan. 
It's not to James and Debbie either. It's not to Dave and his family and many others. Danita, I got more relatives here. You go, are you here because of James? Yes and no, he's my brother, but I got family here. Back in 05, every nation hit a hard time and some people go, are you going to just quit? I go, like, what are you talking about? You mean I can quit being a Lafoon? Like, yes, if there was heresy or something, yes, there's times. Spiritual family. Some of you say, I got the father. Well, do you got his family? Because it takes both to grow. It takes both to become what you're called to be. Pastor James, join me up here, please. We have one more Sunday in this series. Is that right, Pastor? You say today, God help me. You say, I want to fit into this family even more deeply. Raise your hand right now. I'm going to pray for you. Wave at me. Put them up so I can see them. Holy Spirit, I thank you for my Bethel family. Your plan wasn't just to draw 60-something nations together. Your plan was to make them a nation, to make them a family. And I hear the whisper of your spirit today calling us together, building us together. Lord, make we are a family not just a revelation, make it a reality. I bless my family today. I thank you for my family today. I've been blessed with biological family, it's also spiritual family, I'm just a blessed man. That's not the case for everyone here. Many have been just wrecked in their families, hurt, rejected, abused. And there's a longing and a loneliness in them. I want to thank you today that you put the lonely in the family. You draw us together. May that revelation be alive in us, Lord. Amen.